Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Lethal Podcast. Uh, today we're very excited to bring you a conversation with our new friend Earl Stroh. Uh, Earl is the owner and founder of Cutter Stabilizers. Uh, it's not often I throw this out there, but I genuinely believe that this is a product that will instantly make you a better shooter. Uh, we talk about all the reasons why, and I think you guys are going to like it a lot. And for no, for those of you that are already thinking it, I can feel it. Uh, we don't get any money if you end up buying some of his products. All three of us have been using Earl's stuff for a minute now, and we're all very, very impressed with it. He makes a really cool product, and for those interested, I've included a YouTube video from a guy named Brandon McDonald, who has an incredible YouTube channel, uh, in the show notes. So if you want to see what these look like in action, be sure to check that out, and, and also be sure to go to Earl's website. I believe it's cutterstabilizers.com, uh, and you can see the products there, obviously, because he wants to sell them. Uh, as always, this podcast is Fueled by Hunter's Blend Coffee. Uh, I can't even describe to you guys how much I've been working lately. Uh, uh, so, and my diet restriction is gone when it comes to that. So I have certainly needed coffee. So go to huntersblendcoffee.com, use the code ABF at checkout. Be sure to use all caps and 10% of your purchase will be donated to the Ashby Bow Hunting Foundation. We know how much we love them. ABF at checkout, all caps, 10% donated to the Ashby Bow Hunting Foundation. So be sure to do that before the episode is over. Um, as always, if you like the content, we really appreciate it. If you drop us a quick review on iTunes specifically, uh, it's the most popular platform out there. It gets us a lot more exposure than a review on like Stitcher or something. I don't know what you Android people use. Uh, <laughs> but you guys doing that helps us out a lot. Uh, also, if you like our content, we uh, really appreciate it when you go to our website, lethalpodcast.com, and check out some of the merch we've got there. Hopefully some new merch, uh, a couple new shirts, and maybe some hats coming uh, this September. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, really, really appreciate it when you guys could do either of those to help support the podcast, whether it's uh, uh, buying some buying some stuff where we don't make a ton of money, actually, or just, you know, getting the word out. So, anyway, without further ado, here's Earl Stroh with Cutter Stabilizers. Enjoy. This is probably speaking of people that don't like, that are that talk about things that they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, there's a, a big cat conservatory that's pretty, pretty close to the house for the wife and I. And, um, we, we, we like to go cause it's like, I don't know, five bucks a person to get in. Like it's really cheap and it's really cool. I mean, you're literally like, like tiger King style. Uh, but this is, um, they're cats that have been saved from places like that. They don't breed, uh, which is, which is the big difference. It's, it's like kind of Carol Baskin esque, I guess, but, uh, but not as husband Killy. Uh, and, uh, uh, but anyway, one of the tour guides was talking about how, you know, uh, they were hunted near extinction, yada, yada, yada. And they were talking about, uh, how, uh, that you remember that, uh, article when they talked about the, the wolves in Yellowstone changing the directions of the river. No. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, oh, you don't remember that Earl? Okay. Yeah. That was, that was like a huge deal when it came out, like all the conservationists or all the, uh, you know, mega tree huggers were like, Oh my God, like this is why we can't have predator hunting. And like, and then it came out shortly thereafter, like a bunch of people looked at that study and they were like, no, 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 no. It was, there's a lot of other factors to that. But anyway, when we went to, uh, that cat conservatory, that lady mentioned that and it took a, 
took a lot of me biting my tongue and my <laughs> so and my wife yeah. stepping on my toe like because she could tell I was about to rip into this poor girl. Uh, and, She'd be like, and, I'm uh, sorry, I'm just a volunteer. This is just what they told me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's that's exactly what it was, and it's why I tried to have some some grace. But at the same time, like if you're preaching, I mean, there was like 60 people on this tour. Yeah. And, you know, at the same time, like if you're, better. if you're, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, 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 you know, if they don't, uh, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, str- the struggle was real for, uh, for Matt to be quiet at that point in time, but it was, uh, it was an interesting I would, time. I would say that doesn't happen often, but I think we all know better. Oh, it hundred percent <laughs> happens often. Speaking of that, I hadn't even planned on this being part of the discussion. What? What is the wolf discussion in Colorado right now? Oh yeah, it's pretty much like it's a done deal. It's on the ballot, so it's kind of out of out of everybody's hands until it comes time to vote, which sucks because there's a ton of misinformation out there. So we're kind of just like uh, I don't really know what's going to happen besides just show up to vote. <clears throat> yeah, well, I, I mean, and I can I can give you a good idea of what'll happen if it goes through. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I can too. It's going to be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be yeah. a lot of wolves, and you're not going to be allowed to kill them until there's way too many wolves, like in Idaho, and then you're going to be screwed. Yep, pretty much. That's I don't well. Know. I think we're in the stage of hey, there's too many wolves. It's and then they're like, oh, you have to wait like five more years before we can convince everybody that hunters taking them is okay. Right. It's going to take somebody actually getting attacked by a wolf or something to get people to wake the fuck up yeah Yeah. that's my concern is that it's gonna it's gonna it's not they're not going to look at the like elk population and 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 mule deer population as indicators or or at least something to drive home that they need to approve wolf hunting it's gonna have to wait until some wolves end up moving like close to a city and and start killing family pets and stuff until they're like oh maybe Maybe this wasn't a great idea. Maybe we should do something. Right. Uh, and I mean, and then every now and then, probably be like super limited and regulated. And, yeah. yeah, every now yeah, and then I here mean, already, like wolves will take out a whole freaking flock of sheep, like in a night, and just kill them and leave them. I'm like, oh, geez. that's neat. Yeah, there's already stuff going on here through the parks and wildlife that's like pretty detrimental to long term herd health especially for deer so it's Mm -hmm. it's like once people stop coming here to hunt from out of state and they see that revenue decrease for all of the other activities that it's paying for they might get a little freaked out by that too yeah i mean well you'd think that but oregon's dealing with the same thing too where like they're trying they're talking about taking so right now oregon's archery elk tag is statewide other than like there's a few units that are limited entry. Um, but otherwise it's just an over the counter tag. Anybody can come get it. Resident, non resident, doesn't matter. But uh enough rifle hunters bitched to get it like to put a proposal forward to make Eastern Oregon a draw, like unit specific draw, thinking that that would, you know, help with point creep and whatnot, and everybody knows that that's not how limited entry works but yeah i mean we're dealing with the same sort of shit just like you guys i know you want the revenue but i don't think you understand that if you make everything a draw that revenue is going to go away right 
did uh did Colorado have an increase or a decrease in revenue when they switched to their um their draw system being where you just put in an application that was like ten bucks or whatever it was? It increased like exponentially like sheep mm. applications sheep and mountain goat applications went up like 500 to 600 percent jesus yeah plus um they're not having to pay lose all the money on you know interest and credit card processing stuff to refund all those right. people their money back so yeah it was yeah. crazy man like some of the point creep that i and i kind of i mean i'm i'm one of them you know i started applying when you didn't have to pay the whatever multiple hundreds of dollars to apply right uh some of those guys that have been applying for a long time the point creep really got to them and it it got pretty bad yeah yeah man that'd be aggravating if you're a guy that's like you know you're within like two to three years of getting getting pulled and then something like that happens it's like and you're 10 years away well the thing about the way they do the big three you know sheep moose and goat here in colorado is it's it's almost a lottery you need to have three points to be able to even apply. And then hmm. it's really, it's, it's, there's multipliers, there's several different factors that go into play, but I've got buddies that have drawn uh, mountain goat tags with three points and then one additional point. I also have buddies that have been putting in for moose for over 29 years and haven't drawn. So it's like, it's, it's crazy, man, man. That's that's why yeah, I need to learn I'd, more about draw systems. Say I don't know anything about how Colorado works because the only time I've ever even looked into it was just to buy a over the counter tag. But I know, right. yeah, like you said, you guys have all sorts of weird shit going on. Like Oregon's is pretty straightforward. Like you either have the points or you don't. You can't get like there's no bonus points. There's nothing like that. Um, and then for sheep, mountain goat, and maybe something else. I know for sheep and mountain goat, at least um, it's just a straight up lottery. Like there's no, it's just everybody puts into the same thing. If you get drawn you get drawn. So, yeah, I feel like that would be way better, honestly, instead of these guys that have these, you know, almost false hope of getting this tag. And there's certain units that will pull with certain amount of points. So it's somewhat predictable, but like I said, at the same time, like I know guys that have pulled with, the minimum points and i know guys that have pulled have not pulled with maximum points so it's like yeah i don't i don't really get it yeah oregon's a little weird with that too because like so for the max points or like for the point system like 75 percent of the draw goes into that and then the other 25 percent is just like a lottery so Mm -hmm. that's how you can draw with not having the amount of points that you're supposedly that you supposedly need to be able to draw Mm. but it's a mess and i'm not gonna wait that long for a tag that i can probably kill a bull the same size as the one that i'll kill in my over-the-counter tag so i don't really give a shit right and there's (laughs) that's what i do i put in over the counter and for a preference point every year and there's like there's one unit that i'm saving points for and it is it's like a legit really good archery unit that has Mm. really low tag numbers and really high population numbers so it's You know, I'm not really losing any hunting going over right. the counter every year. So it's kind of yeah. not that big of a deal. But yeah, that's what I'm worried about with Oregon is just like if they go to a draw, like they claim that, you know, you'll still be able to draw most of the stuff second choice or whatever. But we all know how that goes. Like it's it doesn't yep. doesn't go that way. 
Um, yeah. But I like, like, people don't seem to understand that with an over-the-counter tag that where most of the units are accessible, like, you have the opportunity to hunt elk every year. And if you choose to not take that opportunity and pick up a bow and become proficient, like, that's no one else's yeah. fault but your own. Like, that's your fault. Like, I take that opportunity every year. Just, like, would I kill more stuff with a rifle? Probably. But I'm not going to sit at home and just pout because I don't have the tag that I will be most successful with. Yeah. And they have over-the-counter uh, rifle tags here, too. Yeah, we have some, but they're... I mean, it's pretty slim pickings for the east side of the state. And everybody wants to hunt the east side because the bulls are bigger and they're easy to find. And gotcha. yeah, but hmm. Man, it's so crazy that no one wants to hunt rosies. I figured rosies I mean, would be like a crown jewel. There's less public on the west side of the state. Like a lot of it's private mm-hmm. timber company land. So either right, have to buy right. a permit to get to the good stuff or just have to know what you're doing. But, probably yeah. a lot harder to find them and a lot harder to hunt them too. Oh, I bet. Well, yeah. it's harder to see them. Like we do a lot of glassing cause it's, we hunt open country, but the West side, like if you can find where they are, like they pretty much stay in like the same 500 yard circle year round. Like they don't move very wow. far. Like you'll Weird. spook them a little bit and they'll just kind of run and then hunker down a bit. You know, they might travel a mile or something, but they don't move super far. So the guys that are super successful with rosies, it's cause they know where they're going to be every year. Sure. Um, but there's <laughs> also like, and on the West side, you have a hard time getting further than a mile from a road. So you've got to deal with all that kind of bullshit too. Yeah. yeah. I bet that'd be really weird. Like it, it's, <laughs> I'll be that guy again comparing turkey hunting to elk. Uh, but I, I, I feel like hunting rosies would be really interesting because the bugling probably sounds like it's really like a really long ways away. But oh, yeah, and with, they're not with, very. With, yeah, but because of how dense the the forest is right there, they're right on top of you. And I've yeah. when I went from hunting in the Ozarks where it's like really, really like at least where my farm's at, where it's really dense trees and like. If it sounds like they're a ways away, like you can, you can basically run towards where they're gobbling, uh, to where, where I'm hunting now you're closer to the city and it's not nearly as thick a timber. Uh, if, if it sounds like they're a long ways away, they might not be there. They might be within like 150 yards and you didn't know it. So, uh, it's interesting. It's, I didn't, uh, I didn't know that, uh, Roosevelt's had such a different, uh, uh, social pattern about them. Find that yeah. fascinating. You spook, yeah. you spook a Rocky and that thing will run three miles in about a minute and you'll never see it again. Yep. Yeah. That's them, them damn, damn Rocky <laughs> based animals. <laughs> they, they just, they're uh, like, Oh, well, see you later. Yeah. yeah. Get, Good go talk. To the next country. Yeah. 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 Uh, well tonight we are hanging out with Earl. Okay. Is it Stroh? Stroh. Yep. Okay. Let's see. Yes, I'm like, I think like the last three guests I've gotten that have like kind of a not super common last name. I've got it right. So I'm going to are, gonna... are you related to the makers of Stroh liquor? No, yeah, I, not that uh, I'm aware. Uh, my dad have, used to work have you the had hardware it? store. I have. It's it's not good. <laughs> it's really good in your morning coffee when it's negative oh 14 outside well there's like <laughs> as far as i know there's there's a fire brewed beer that's called stroh's beer um oh. 
And that was my dad's nickname at one of his old jobs was cheap beer. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if there's any relation there or not. <laughs> Maybe one that you want to acknowledge or, or not. Right. Uh, yeah. But uh, we're hanging out with Earl Strode tonight. Earl is the owner and owner, founder and everything, I guess, uh, for cutter stabilizers. Uh, um, uh, we've been chatting with Earl. Actually, it's, well, it's really funny uh, that I like happened to stumble across. Uh, I, I check our reviews like every once in a while, uh, our iTunes reviews, and uh, I get a notification when it, when a new one pops up. And we, we had a new one. So I went in and checked on it and I just happened to scroll down and like one of our very first reviews. I mean, we hadn't been out for maybe two or three months was from uh, was from Mr. Stroh himself. Yep, yep. <laughs> I thought that was that was funny. I was like, oh, look. Look who it is. I didn't, yep. didn't even realize it. But uh, yeah, we had been uh, uh, we've been talking for a minute at that point. But uh, uh, I, I appreciate you coming on talking about this. I think you've got a really cool product and I'm, I'm excited to chat about it and, and kind of get the get the word out a little bit more. Not that well, you need us to get the word out about it. Been, <laughs> yeah, it uh, seems like you've got uh, pretty popular. Oh man, I've, you've, I've, been, you've been plenty busy. Yeah, I've definitely been busy, but it's it's always a, a struggle to to get the name out there and you know, there's, there's products that people pay a lot more attention to than stabilizers. So I'll take the help wherever I can get it. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, before we, we hop into the stabilizer discussion and believe me, there's going to be plenty of it. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what, tell us a little bit about yourself. How, you know, who's, who's Earl? How'd you, how'd you get into bow hunting? What do you do? That, that sort of thing. Yep. So I'm, I'm a Denver native. I was born and raised in Colorado. There's not many of us left here, but uh, yeah, you guys, you, th- those of you that are that love to mention that love yeah. to mention. when I lived in Colorado, everyone like the, oh, the people that were born, there were like, I was born in Colorado. I didn't move here. And they were so damn proud of it. So yeah, yeah we, get, we get it. We get it. Sure. Yeah. No, that's number one born and raised in colorado my whole <laughs> life <clears throat> but uh no i started bow hunting i guess right when i was 14 or 15 i think it was like the the younger limit to, to archery hunt which is different mm-hmm. than gun hunt for whatever reason um <laughs> but really uh, it's a different age age limit i believe so or maybe i don't huh. know i was Maybe it was just my dad's way of keeping me away yeah. from him so he can kill stuff longer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I started to hunt with my dad and uh, I bow hunted for, well, pretty much bow hunted elk only for, for 10 years before I even got to draw my bow back on any big game animal. And the first time I ever drew my bow back was on a six by six bull at eight yards. I ended up killing. That was my first ever <laughs> time I pulled my bow back on a big game animal. That'll work. Yep. And we, we called him in. It was, it was the whole thing, man. It was just like, you know, you see on, on TV or whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. pretty cool. And it was a frontal shot at eight yards and he ran 50 yards and, and piled up. And, you know, after that I was, I was hooked on it and I just, bet. just dove full in down the rabbit hole and, started trying to get into the tuning stuff a little bit more and get into hunting multiple different seasons and you know deer elk antelope uh we go out and hunt nebraska for whitetails as well um Mm -hmm. but i guess let's see what is that six years ago now is when i i killed that bull and then really started getting into the tuning aspect of it a lot more and playing around with different equipment 
So yeah, uh, yeah. I I think it was about 2016. I started working at uh, at Sportsman's Warehouse in the archery department. Okay, yeah. just as a as a part time associate, and uh, at that time I was running my own personal training business as well. Um, so I was, you know, two part-time jobs to equal one full-time job. So I still didn't mm-hmm. have time to spare, but, uh, <laughs> um, then 2018, I went and, uh, my buddy asked me to, to come work for him at a, at a machine shop for an automation company that he was working at, which was something like totally different. You know, I had, I didn't go yeah. to school for it. It was just a random thing. He's like, if you want to come learn this, like, well, will pay you to learn. So I learned how to run, you know, manual mill, CNC, lathe, all the, all the manufacturing equipment. Nice. Nice. Yep. And we built, uh, basically like really big robotic systems for like end of line packaging for the food industry. It was just pretty wild. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yep. So like we had this pro, thing that pro would, tip uh, for, for those who who may not know uh, a machinist is who you want to be friends with in the end of the world so if you don't have a machinist friend <laughs> yeah. make one because yeah. they like when it's like you're like oh i i need something machinists are the ones that can make it so yeah, make a make a friend sure. that's a machinist so that uh that kind of started started this whole thing out for me um you know obviously i yeah, still had some product <laughs> development yeah stuff i still loved archery yeah. but i didn't know how to do anything with it and you know working this this machinist job and and figuring out how things are made and how things you know really come together my the owner of the business was probably the most brilliant and mean engineer that i've ever met in my entire life <laughs> like if you didn't I know mean, something that's pretty par for the make course sure, yeah yeah if you didn't know something, <laughs> you learn real you would quick make sure to ask you why you didn't know that <laughs> like, like listen I, man I mean, I, everything i know it's like everything i know is ojt so right. i don't know what never you want from me that. right now <laughs> <laughs> or you'd always say like like just obvious shit like don't turn that screw that tight or you'll break the head of it off i'm like okay <laughs> why didn't i think of that but <laughs> <laughs> like yeah i think i, I, I got that did, much yeah. jesus man <laughs> Yeah, and then you go into like these vast, you know, pneumatic valve conversations with you after he said that, and I'm like, no, it was it was a wild same, job. Yeah, man. yeah, same, same thing. Don't don't turn the screw too tight. And now let's let's discuss, uh, yeah, pneumatic theory and, and yeah, yep. same, same conversation. Wild, but you know, yeah, same the, you can tell when there's there's guys that are just just way smarter than you, and yeah, you're yeah. like our brain does not work the same way. No, no. Uh, yeah. I'm still hungover, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's that that's kind cool. of it was fun, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't archery or hunting related, so I had to figure out how to make it that way. Yeah, um, Is, do you still do you still do that? You still do that work for the machine? I don't. I actually, okay. um, they decided to shop out all of their machine work, and uh, they told me I should probably start looking for a new job. Oh, there you oh, go. I was like, okay, give you a heads up, I guess. I'll do that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I went in. Actually, I went back into Sportsman's and I was talking to one of the other guys there. And I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to start looking for a new job. And um, the next day I had a voicemail from the store manager and he asked me to come uh, run the archery department. So that's what I do now. 
Nice. Oh, nice. Cool. Yep. All right. So you're, you're back in the game. At least there's a knowledgeable person still working in one big box store. Oh, oh boy. It is a most of them. Yeah. Most of them are so bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like but what? Uh, you don't know anything, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard though, man. I'd say that the biggest challenge is just keeping knowledgeable people there. Like I just spent yeah. probably three months training a guy and he he quit without putting in his two weeks. So it's like, it's, oh, it's man. tough. Super it's hard. tough because like a lot of those places, I mean, so I worked at a field and stream store. I don't know if you guys have those in Colorado, but owned by Dick's Boarding Goods. Okay. Um, But they Boom. don't like to, they don't like to pay people yep. very well. So it's super hard to keep knowledgeable people there if that's their only job. I mean, that was the main reason I left because I was making no money. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah it's tough, first man. opportunity I had that was better. I'm like, yeah, I'm out. See ya. Yep. Good talk. Yeah. That was one of yeah. the things when I when I went in there. I feel like the the store manager, which we always got along really well when I worked there the first time. I feel like if he he knew that if he didn't offer me something substantial that I would be gone. Right. So, um, you know, he offered me basically like slightly less than I was making doing automation machining with benefits and guaranteed 40 hours. And I, I tried really hard to not let my mouth open when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, I guess that'll work. Like, yeah, I, that's fine. I guess. Yeah. So how is got to fight it for the counter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How's time off for hunting going to work though? Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, that was, that was always a condition for me, no matter the job. Yeah. Cause I, I hunt, I try a slow year is 45 days out, out in the field every year. So I, it's, oh, wow. I structure my life around it for sure. Yeah. 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 No, and it's working in, in the bow shop makes that very difficult. No, yeah, God. you know, especially I worked, with, I worked in one of those for five, four or five years too. So yeah. Well, it's like two weeks before season, everybody decides to take up archery. It drives me nuts. Yeah, it's either crazy. take up archery or we talked about this on our last episode was they either decide to take it up or they finally get their bow out of the case and it's all fucked up. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like, hey, yeah, it's too late for me to fix that, man. Like I can kind of cobble it together, but. Right. I'm I'm not the asshole here. You probably should have done this sooner. Yeah. Um, well, I had a guy than, yeah. come in with uh with arrows that have been discontinued for like 5 years and he's like I need some of these. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> they don't exist. Dude, they don't make these anymore. <laughs> Why don't you jump on Windows 98 and see if you can find some of those <laughs> things. Oh my god, <laughs> that's crazy! Oh man, oh, oh and boy, man, yep. re- retail from somebody who's who's been in retail as as a side thing before. Uh, well, I, I mean, I was I was in retail management for a long time, and then continued uh, as I developed in my uh, uh, professional career in IT. I continued to work retail and was at big box stores like Cabela's. Uh, one, God, God bless you. God bless all the retail workers. They're they deal you want to talk about like dealing with the assholes of the world it's retail <laughs> workers yeah uh, if, if, so I, many incur- I, I i wish oh dude the, the karen <laughs> life is is so real in retail. It's every day it's, uh, every <laughs> every day and it's it's rampant there's so many people who are just so freaking ungrateful for all the things that that retail people do i i wish I wish that everyone and I mean, I'm not I'm not against forcing people to do things they don't want to do, 
but I wish that like coming out of high school, everyone would work like some shitty retail job for six months, be a waiter for six months yeah. and either service and, industry or retail. And then yeah. the world would be a much yeah. better place. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah the, the people wouldn't, wouldn't be such assholes to waiters and wouldn't be such douchebags to people that work in retail. But, sure. and also God, God bless you for being a knowledgeable person at a big box store. I can tell you from my time at Cabela's, <laughs> Uh, I was, uh, uh, I'm, I'm certainly, I'm still not, I don't consider myself, a, a a very high level tuner, but oh my Lord in heaven, some of the stuff I, w- I saw walk out when I was at the gun counter, uh, that how bows were set up. I was just like, oh Lord, this is not good. Right. Uh, uh, it's, As you walk over, sad, you're like, Hey, sad, they're going to be back. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. yeah. The biggest challenge I'd say this year is because at my title, I'm I'm also responsible for uh, like double checking background checks and stuff for firearms. Mm-hmm. So that <laughs> you can imagine this year how it's been. Yeah, that, that's not yeah. fun. Re- record you know, breaking year again. 8.5 million firearms have been sold since the middle of March in the U.S. Yep. Isn't that crazy? It's been- bananas i worked you can't find anything right now the the archery shop that i worked at was also a gun store and that was during obama's re-election so Mm -hmm. yeah i'm familiar (laughs) the the great 22 ammo shortage of 2010 to 2014 yeah i remember those days (laughs) uh so so you went you had some automation experience then you went back. So had you, had you already gone back to sportsman's when, uh, when cutter, uh, started up? So I basically, I started the prototyping process and, and kind of figured out how I wanted to build these things when I was still at the machine shop. And hmm. when I, when we first launched, I was, I was making all the parts on a manual lathe. E- each individual part would take about a half an hour and there's two parts per stabilizer. Hmm. so it was Man, that's a lot easy. of work <laughs> it was a lot of work so i would work you know like 7 30 to 5 at in the in the shop and then mm-hmm. i would stay there until 8 or 9 at night working on the stabilizers and then i'd get up and do it all over again and then also go in there on the weekends um after i kind of figured out that that was not an efficient way to spend my time i i ended mm-hmm. up chopping out the the machine work to an, another shop, um, which, you know, helped out exponentially. I was able to not be absent basically at work. Right. And there's a right. couple times where I just, you know, I lost sight of it and, and totally wasn't present in mind when I was at the machine shop. And, you know, my boss called me out on it a couple times and I was like, all right, I got to, I got to figure this out. You know, I got to manage my time better. And, and that was the answer was to, was to shop out the work um, and I wanted to keep it, keep everything, you know, that's, that's a big part of this whole thing is keeping it all in the U S. Um, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yep. So that was, that was a challenge, but, uh, where we're at now, we're in a really good spot. Turnaround times are still a little bit longer than, than I want them to be. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but I think people need to understand if you're sourcing U S materials uh, or if, you know, that being made in the U S paired with covid like you you have to expect at least a little bit of downtime on that for sure so yeah. people are if people are all mad about it then they can suck a dick yeah no i haven't had anybody that's that's been upset and i i make it a point to communicate with you know with people that are getting close to the the lead time date and 
stuff like that. So it's it's been yeah. good. So what are yeah. what are the two main what are the two main parts of the stabilizer that you were uh, manufacturing that you're machining? So there's basically there's essentially there's a few different parts. There's the aluminum end caps, and then there's a carbon fiber tube. Um, mm. So the the aluminum parts were what I was having and still am having manufactured. Um, the carbon is also sourced from within the U.S. And then I'll uh, I'll prep that and. and chop it to length and, and do all the, the stuff for that to get it to its final form. And then once I get the parts back from machining, they go to anodizing um, and then I'll assemble them all. Yeah. So you guys just yeah. changed your, your now, cause you were, I think the ones I have are painted, aren't they? Or were they anodized too? They're anodized. Okay. But you guys changed cause you have your logos on them different now, right? No. So what changed, we had a, a version one, that was um that was the initial design and mm. it, it performed well you know nine out of ten was good and then there was there i think there was five or six failures out of maybe 50 bars which mm-hmm. just it, it wasn't good enough for me i, I didn't right. want any failures but the guys that <clears throat> i was having test these things they they're out in the field a lot more than i am so it was it was a good good learning experience to figure out what was going to go wrong so the version twos that we have now, um, basically the end cap is is different and it's it's considerably stronger um, without mm-hmm. even being heavier. So it's it's a super nice. cool design that, that I'm really happy with. Yeah, that was yeah. the main when they showed up when mine showed up or whatever. You know, I'm used to like I think I have a set of bee stinger bars and I don't know what the hell else I have laying around in my shop. But when yours showed up, I was like, wait, there's two in here and wait what is what's what's in this package right now yeah man they just you put them up next to just about anything else and they just make everything look so clunky it's it's kind of yeah yeah i want to i want to get to that in a second because for those who may not have like pulled up his website yet sporo or these are a little bit different than most stabilizers you've you've probably dealt with um but what what exactly outside of the the name i guess what what's the job of a stabilizer is it is it multifaceted or do you look at how you make yours in like a multifaceted sense or or are you primarily concerned with uh with weight and uh and wind shear i guess so yeah for sure there's definitely multiple purposes and um number one is obviously stabilization and what that means for a shooter is when you're looking through your peep at full draw your pin is going to be moving on the target. It's it's humanly impossible to keep it still. I think maybe like Jesse Broadwater or something might be able. That's to about it. Keep yeah. It on nah, there, he's but... he still trusts his float. Let's not lie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> embrace that, the float, like, brother. It's all about getting what uh, you might hear someone say, uh, pin float pattern, and I I really like that term because it's a little hmm. bit different for every shooter. Is your the kind of pattern that your pin will float on the dot or whatever that you're aiming at is, is a little bit different for everyone. And the purpose of the stabilizer is to decrease the size and speed of that float pattern. Hmm. And that's done through adding, you know, external weight. Um, the secondary purpose is to decrease, you know, vibration and hand shock. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for a hunting application, that's huge because vibration and hand shock equate to noise after the shot, which we, we don't want whatsoever because animals have a lot faster reaction time than we do. That's for sure. So, um, 
as far as the size goes to the stabilizers, ideally we would have an extension bar that weighs absolutely nothing and allows us to still attach external weight to the bow. We want right. the weight to be as far out as possible um, without weighing the bow down. You know, some of these mm. bows are, they're getting lighter, but like I shoot a Matthews verdicts and that sucker is a boat anchor already. Oh, every, yeah, it's a tank. every Matthews yeah. is a boat anchor for whatever Gosh, I, reason. I love that bow so much. I, I never thought I would shoot a Matthews until I shot a Matthews. Yeah, the dude, the the Matthews, the last like at post the Halon, I guess, I, I, and even even in the Halon, the Halon thirty two were good bows, but at, at everything they've came out with after the Halon, I've been like, it's so it's man, nice it's, bow. it's crazy. And I I shot, um, I shot Hoyt for five years before, and I I never had a reason to change, and uh, I think that's that's how me and Garrett kind of started talking, as I had an RX three. That I just could not get problems. To <laughs> yeah, you're Gosh, having problems. <laughs> that stupid thing tuned out, and it drove me nuts. But it tuned out with the bottom cam almost a half inch uh, fast, and what? brace height or the knock was uh, like three uh, three sixteenths high at at brace. Whoa! And it would shoot a perfect bullet hole through paper and bear shaft hit with field with fletched out to like 50 yards i was like this is okay but it drives me absolutely insane to know that this is set up so weird yeah i had i mean that I had sounds that like same... a weak, that sounds like a weak limb issue to me i i don't know what it was but uh that's bizarre i, I had I, found a, a guy I had that... a i had a spider that tuned similar to that that's the spider 30 or whatever i had to yep. yeah i had to advance my bottom cam way out and super weird hoits are difficult to tune for me anyway because i'm not used to that spongy of a back wall so it's yeah. just like i don't know when it feels right <laughs> yeah and that's that's probably what took me the longest to get used to is having like an actual back wall on that that Matthews. yeah yeah i really wish matthews would come, like what's the what's their longer one is it the verdicts it's a, like a 32 and a half i think uh, axle the, to axle. so they had the verdicts and the traverse last year the traverse the traverse, was uh, the the traverse yeah, yeah I, if they had made the traverse in a switch weight i would have bought it yeah. dude but, I, I love that bow honestly like if i bought a yeah. matthews it would be a traverse yeah if if, if, if so i could have, if i could if i could find one 75 pounds and i didn't have to uh, can you can you put a uh, uh, wake limbs on a traverse and make it stupid heavy? I don't know. Uh, I think so. I know. I I, th- I think you can. I'm pretty sure. Actually, yeah, I'm 99 percent so. sure that uh, one of the guys on High Momentum did that. But uh, yeah. Uh, and man, you would talk about that'd be a, a yeah, feisty be son, a of a, son of a bitch right there. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm into that. And I've got uh, but, I've got 75 pound mods on on mine and. I'm getting faster speeds than I did out of my 80 pound Hoyt with a heavier arrow. So it's yeah, it's man, Ma- Matthews, Matthews slings them and they don't, they don't really BS around on their IBO numbers too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, it's still decently fast, but my, my 80 pound black five is not, uh, nearly what I was, uh, sold. Hmm. Uh, but it's uh, uh it, it, it's, it's sufficient and, and it draws definitely, well. Definitely so doesn't complain. add up to my, uh, my Botech. Yeah, well, your your Botech's just a freak. We need we need to have an episode to actually talk about that thing, yeah. like a whole episode. That's ridiculous. Um, it's uh, so much fun. It's stupid. But uh, so yeah, but but you talking about we're, we're talking about 
circling back around, uh, we were talking about the Matthews just being like, they're just so damn big and heavy. And this yeah. is what kind of makes your stabilizers different from most, at least most of them that I've dealt with. And the big, the big difference being yours are very thin. They're a micro diameter, I guess you could say. And they're incredibly light. Uh, yep. So what's what's the benefit of moving into a stabilizer like that? So as far as the diameter, it's it's a half inch carbon tube. So um, very similar to shooting a micro diameter arrow, you're you're getting less effect from the wind um, as far as a crosswind goes. Anytime you get you know that stiff left to right breeze across the riser of the bow, it's it's going to mm-hmm. increase that that pin flow. And man, I don't know how many guys I know that have switched from the, um, what is it? The equivalizer thing? The, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. That's when you started talking to me, you were asking me what I shot and I, I shoot equivalizer on my one bow. And then you're like, I'd really like it if you'd try these stabilizers. I'm like, (laughs) all right, well, I'm game. But I mean, it's, yeah, you're, you're decreasing that surface area so much. And and if you're shooting, you know, in a stiff wind, it makes a big difference. And that's, that's one thing that I wish I can get these bars onto everyone's bow on one windy day at the range and everyone would, would buy them. Like it's, that's where it makes the biggest difference as far as performance in a hunting application, aside from the the super lightweight, you know, obviously something smaller is going to weigh less than something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's What's a typical diameter size for a stabilizer? Do you know? pretty much the standard is three quarter. Yeah. Um, wow. So that's a massive size. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's several that are, that are in that, that five eighths type area as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the times the, the struggle is, is maintaining strength while decreasing the diameter. You know, you make something smaller mm-hmm. everything right, around right. it needs to be smaller as well. And that's, that's one thing that, uh, that we figured out how to do, you know, super well. And as far as the, the actual mass weight of the stabilizers go, like there's a three quarter ounce difference between our shortest bar and our longest bar, which is an eight inch and a 15 inch. So it's, yeah, it's almost it's inconsequential. Awesome. The argument yeah. is over for running a long stabilizer for hunting. Like you're getting the benefits without weighing down your bow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I, I'm a, uh, uh, equivalizer convert, I guess you could say. And I, I kind of, I ran into that same, um, uh, uh, issue. Um, so I, I picked up equivalizer and because five arrows wasn't enough and they just came out with the eight arrow <laughs> version, I was like, I'm going to run the eight arrow version. And, and it's, and man, when I first put it on and, and I shot it indoors, uh, cause it was dead a winner when I, when I got it, I was like, this thing is awesome and because i i had never ran anything where i had that much weight up front especially with the kind of arrows that uh that i shoot you know i I think at the time i was shooting a 660 grain arrow and had quite a bit of weight on the front so when i put when i put eight of those arrows i had tons of of weight uh you know on the very front of it and it just like all my pin float i don't want to say went completely away but it was extremely minimalized i was like this is incredible and then uh, uh, maybe it wasn't dead winter when I got it because I hunted with it not too long. So, yeah, I, m- I must have got it in, in early fall. Uh, and then the first uh, night I went out in a tree stand and uh, and hung it up. And like I, I, to preface, I never had issues with with size. And I, I ordered the XL version, which I think is 22 inches. Mm-hmm. And not one time was I like, this is too big. Uh, so 
everyone's saying that a 12 inch or a 15 inch stabilizer is too long. You're wrong. And I hate you. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, that first night I, you know, I drew back just to, you know, check, check clearance and, and a gust of wind hit and my bow about got ripped out of my hands. Cause I didn't realize how much of a sale that thing was. Right. And, uh, and I was like, Oh my God, this is, this changes things a bit. And like, if it's not windy, it it's fine. It's not an issue, but in, in the wind it, when you've got all those arrows out there, when I had it loaded up with eight, I mean, it was literally like hanging a two by four off the front, uh, 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 front of the bow when that wind caught it. it was just insane for sure and you know especially it seems like lately i'd say the last three or four years you know western hunting has, has really taken off as far as is hunter participation and it's a lot of guys are wanting to come out here and hunt and you know for a lot of those hunts <clears throat> i just got back from an, an antelope hunt and it's always windy out there mm-hmm. so that's it becomes more of a factor you know high country mule deer uh, it's, it's pretty windy up there most of the time too. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of different applications where, where the wind is, is absolutely a factor. And, you know, not to mention like, I'm, this isn't a equivalizer bash session by any means. No, they're, they're great in a non-windy application there. Sure. And, and I think they're really innovative because, and the main reason, the main, main reason I switched to it is because when I had that many arrows that were that heavy hanging off the side of my bow, it, it, and this is something else we'll talk about. Right. I couldn't like, I was, I was fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. And it, one is because I didn't have a, a back bar on or a sidebar. Sure. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but, yep. uh, yeah. But other than that, I, 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 uh, I loved that, uh, equivalizer. And, and I think there are certain applications where, uh, where I may still try and utilize it, but, uh, on, yeah. On super windy days it is not yep. convenient. I'm going to throw one more thought out at you. So let's let's say you have your your 20-inch stabilizer with 12 ounces of weight on the front. Mm-hmm. If you're shooting five arrows, would you remove one of your weights every time you shot? Or would yeah, you... not, that's something to think about mm-hmm. because it's it's very, I mean, yeah, each, uh, what's, an, what's an ounce weigh? 380 grains, 390 grains, something like that, I think. I think. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a a noticeable thing. And, you know, for, for hunting, we want to keep as many things as possible in our control because there's a lot of things that are not in our control. So if, you know, you could potentially, you change the, the weight and balance point of your bow, it could make a big difference when you're at full draw on an animal. You're, You're probably not thinking about hand torque and, your bubble level and, and a lot of those things that you absolutely should be. Um, but obviously the, the idea is to not have to think about those things. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, one ounce by the way is 430 grains. So it's, it's certainly plausible that you're, uh, essentially removing an ounce off of the front of your stabilizer every time you were to do that, which is yep. going to change things. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, as, as I have learned by, uh, picking up your stabilizers and switching to, uh, running a back bar as well. Uh, uh, an ounce on the front or the back, it could be all the difference in how your, how your bow holds and especially trying to do it consistently from shot to shot is, is going to be quite the task. Um, so, uh, what, what, let's talk about back bars for a second. Uh, um, because I don't, I, I, I don't see back bars being run a ton, there are definitely people that do it, especially the Western guys. 
uh, um, but I don't see back bars being run a ton uh, uh, in bow hunting. You'll see them everywhere for target. If you mm-hmm. go to a target shoot, everyone's running a back bar. Or maybe is it is it considered a sidebar? I don't even know like what the proper terminology is for it. I don't I think, think it's there's a sidebar, but whatever. Sidebar, back bar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's the, it's the but, one that uh, points towards backwards. the rear. Yeah, yeah, the one, yeah, the one that that points one. towards the rear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what's uh, I guess what's the what's the benefit or explain the benefit of of running that uh that sidebar? So I I wish everyone would would shoot one for you know at least a week, get some time behind it, because the main benefit of running a sidebar is the ability to self level your bow. Mm-hmm. We have sight, rest, quiver, all on one side of the bow. So when you take all that weight onto a single side, the only way to truly level that without a back bar is through hand torque, which is not a good thing to induce into your shot. Mm -hmm. So if we have something that counters that weight on that side by itself, then you can put a lot less feedback into the bow itself from your hand. It's going to, to kind of sit there a lot easier and that's the benefit of having, you know, a stabilizer with with any modular weight system is the ability to really fine tune that and and get it to just sit level right in your hand. Um, it becomes magnified when we introduce side hills and uphill and downhill. There's mm, there's crazy mm-hmm. things that happen when you you take that flat platform out from underneath you and. Now you have to account for your hips, your legs, your shoulders, all that stuff. Um, it's super easy to get that bubble to not be level. And again, that's another thing you have to pay attention to where you necessarily might not need to. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I I don't think, I I I, I think that people don't, realize exactly what you were saying when you know they uh especially us uh eastern guys that you know i'm hunting out of a tree stand well you know 99 of the time that tree stand is is pretty level and all i'm doing is really you know tilting tilting down but uh, uh when you when you start doing you know uh hunting from the ground and, and especially you know in a spot and stock situation uh, you never know what kind of ground you're going to be on and when you're uh, when your center of balance is thrown off, uh, everything is affected. Uh, and that's, uh, it's a, it's a really, it's, it's a really big deal. I learned that the, the hard way of trying to, uh, go into a couple of these 3d shoots that were a, a bit more, you know, up and down kind of, kind of places you'd be shooting, uh, um, you know, on, on a side hill across, a uh, a pretty steep, uh, embankment and, and man, it, it messed with you. Sure. Um, what, even, uh, even being in a tree stand though, like I have had to become a contortionist essentially to get a freaking shot off multiple times. Yeah. Like, yeah that's happening. You don't realize how much everything changes. Like as far as like trying to get that bubble level, especially right. if you don't have a sidebar or something, like if you don't have that, you have to, yeah, like Earl said, you have to freaking push it with your hand or you know you gotta contract muscles that you don't normally do Mm -hmm. you don't have to you don't normally contract when you're trying to get that shot off and it it the less you have to worry about that the better it is right yeah and i was just gonna say when you're hunting from a tree stand every shot is a downhill shot 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, in my opinion, downhill shots are, are one of the tougher ones to execute between a downhill and an uphill. I th- I'd take an uphill shot over a downhill. Especially if, you're, sure. if your draw length is too long, uphill yep. and downhill becomes quite different. Definitely. So you're already introducing, you know, a potentially different level of pull into your back wall yep. uh, that your arrow has to account for. Now we're also introducing, you know, lateral torque from your hand and, you know, potentially different anchor position. There's a lot of things that can go wrong on, the, on those uphill and downhill shots and your bubble level doesn't have to be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm somebody that's either looking at running a back bar or well, I mean, if, I, if I'm going to be running a back bar for the first time and I've got a regular regular stabilizer uh, up front and then I'm going to end up running a back or a sidebar, whatever you want to call it, how how would I go about setting that up? So depending on the, the length of your front bar, um, it's, it's totally a, a personal preference thing. The thing to remember and to take into consideration is the longer the stabilizer, the less amount of weight you need to accomplish the same thing. Mm-hmm. So if you have like one of my best selling combos, especially for the guys that are, that are hunting from tree stands and ground blinds is a 10 inch front and an eight inch back. It's, it's mm-hmm. super versatile and, um, it, they provide a ton of stabilization with without having to add a, a lot of weight. And I think the the main hang up for people that are hesitant on running a sidebar is adding that extra weight to their bow. And mm. you know, again, we've we've kind of taken that out of the the equation here with these things being so light. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I would say start with start with something that's a little bit longer than than you might need because you'll you'll be able to run less weight and you're going to have more weight on your back bar than your front bar you know 2 to 1 is is pretty common for that application okay. gotcha so what what is that what do you typically uh like if somebody walks into your shop and and uh well, let's just say they had picked up you know one of uh, uh a set of your stabilizers how what's the setup process that you would go through like would you set up the um set up the front with the uh the smallest amount of weight i guess uh that that you uh that you could and then how do you how do you make the adjustments to the back bar whether it be location or the amount of weight that you're running on the back bar to kind of compensate for the individual shooter so i've i've been able to fully do a setup process how I like to, I think one time, and that's out on a 3D course with with some hills and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best way to do it is you get your front bar on. Depending on the on the length, I kind of have a you know a, a predetermined number that that sort of works with with each length, and mm-hmm. you know depending you know 10 inch about three to four ounces is, is pretty standard for most hunting applications. And then, you know, there's, there's guys that will, will go a a lot more and it it also is going to depend on, on the bow design. You know, you have some bows that, uh, that rock harder forward in your hand and kind of the way to, to decide that is without any bars on hold your bow in, you know, proper grip and, 
see what it wants to do. Does it want to tip forward or does it want to tip backwards? And mm -hmm. um, that'll kind of tell you what, what you need to do for weight. And I just keep adding weight until that bow sits level or slowly tips forward. Then we go into the back bar. Um, once we got that bow sitting level with the front bar on and we start adding weight to the back bar, once that bow starts to starts to tip towards the rear, then, then we're done. Um, we, we ideally want it to just sit perfectly level in your hand. Mm. Now, as far as your lateral adjustment, that's, uh, that's going to kind of be something that you're going to have to do either, you know, with it, with an arrow on the bow at full draw. So we get to get to full draw, close your eyes and hit your anchor point, open those eyes up and see where your bubble is at within that level. And that'll mm -hmm. tell you, tell you where you need to go. Um, the angle of the, of the bar. So your, your vertical adjustment, your up and down is, is kind of a macro adjustment, whereas your lateral is more of a mm. micro adjustment. So gotcha. anytime we're making the back bar more horizontal, you're, you're increasing the, the lever arm length. So we mm. kind of, we kind of can tune it in that way and get that, that super fine tune. I like to do it with, you know, if you have a, a four arrow or a five arrow quiver, I'll do it with four arrows in the quiver because you're, you're probably going to be shooting one of those arrows on that, that sure. shot. Yeah. Um, so we can, we can take it down to a pretty finite level as far as that balance point goes. And, um, anytime you add one ounce to the front, you're probably going to need to add two ounces to the back. Mm -hmm. And a good way to tell when you're at a, a point that's too much is get to get to a range that gives you some good yardage that's you know close i'd say three quarters of what you would call your max effective range so if if we have a you know an 80 yard max effective range get on a target at 60 and get to full draw obviously with an arrow in there always and um watch what your pin does as soon as you feel like you're float pattern is getting bigger then you've probably gone too heavy because hmm. it's just it's fatigue it's fatiguing your your body too much to hold up that heavy of a right. setup. so it'll still be moving slowly but um it'll it'll open up because your proprioception meaning your eyeballs focusing on whatever you're looking at is overpowered by the mass weight of that bow at that point mm. so there's a point of of diminishing returns where we go too heavy and that float pattern will stay slow but it'll get bigger and that's that's not what we want we want it to be slow and small right i, I right. think that's why i like so i've got the cutters on my 80 pound Realmex that i built and i've i shot the 70 pound one last year that i have but the 80 pound one holds so much better for me. And like, you know, it's probably a lot of factors, but you know, a little bit more holding weight, but then I've also got those bars on it and they seem to be in that perfect spot to where when I come to anchor, like I'm super solid, like I don't feel like I'm floating around. And then my 70 pound one, for whatever reason, like I'm floating all over the place this year with it and I'm just not super confident in it, but you know, I can still shoot it. Okay. But I, it doesn't feel as good as the other one. 
Sure. And it's, it's pretty high level stuff to be able to diagnose your float pattern and when it opens up, like you have to, you have to have some time behind the bow to be able to, to know when that's happening. Um, as far as, you know, getting someone, you know, set up initially, like it's, if you're going from a single front bar with no ability to add external weight to a functioning real stabilizer system it's it's going to be night and day and it's it's going to take you a little while to get used to and you're probably yeah. going to be overwhelmed by how steady you can hold just right <laughs> off the bat uh a it's, buddy, it's definitely a different world that's, that's for sure a buddy of mine i'm getting into archery this year he had like i had you know i found him a bow bought it for him or whatever and then i just had like a little it's like a little pine ridge stabilizer just you know, laying around. I was like, this is really just for vibration dampening, but I just don't have another stabilizer right now to give you. So I gave him that. And then, you know, I bought new stabilizer or whatever. So I had another one laying around and I had him come over and pick one of them up. And then he went to the range that day and he's like, I'm shooting way tighter groups than I was before at 40. Like I'm shooting tighter at 40 than I was at 20. And I'm not going to say it's a stabilizer, but it's the stabilizer. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, probably. (laughs) But, you know, just for a new archer, you know, like just that little bit of confidence is huge. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. It's a, well, I mean, you know, like I said, I I was, all I'd ever really ran was uh, uh, like a 10 inch bee stinger. And then when I picked up that equivalizer and like, you know, actually had, you know, a, a, bit more of a, a the correct kind of balancing system that I needed on that bow it just like everything just like changed overnight uh it was it was uh, an an incredible uh experience uh um so what kind of what kind of attachment do you like to run or what kind of attachment setup maybe uh do you like to run on hunting bows do you think that uh if a if a bow has a dedicated back bar or sidebar uh um stabilizer mount that it's it's uh better to utilize that because it kind of increases the the lever arm or do you do you like uh, a setup where it's all sitting up front in the same place so personally i run both bars off of off of one bracket and um i'm not super crazy about the bracket that I have right now. Um, I've ran it for three years and it's never given me a problem, but it's heavy and clunky and bothers me. Mm -hmm. But, um, as far as, as running off of the lower riser mount, there is benefits there, but there's also downsides as well. Um, I base a, a lot of my stuff off of some of my most demanding stocking conditions, which is 100% antelope hunting with a bow. Mm -hmm. Um, you get to you know that that red zone, and a lot of the times you're you're setting your bow vertically on the ground, and there's you know tumbleweeds and cactus and weird shit that grows in the whatever they live in that you know if you have to have a stabilizer sticking down near your cam, and that's that's one more thing to potentially hang up on a branch or make noise or, or anything like that, then I want, mm-hmm. I want my stabilizer just a little bit higher off the ground and I can still accomplish what I need to by having it on the bracket. Um, some of the lower riser mounts are, are a little bit lighter and um, <clears throat> that could be a benefit. And um, 
when we get into some other stuff later in this conversation, I'll kind of talk a little bit more on that. But um, there is there is some benefits to setting up that that riser mounted um, bracket as well. But personally, mm. I, I run a run them off the same bracket. Yeah, I've uh, I I have a uh, it, it's a it's more or less a bee stinger knockoff. I think it's made by not Vortex. Who am I thinking of? Uh, Fusion Fuse 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 uh, and Hoyt, uh, Hoyt brand or whatever. Yeah, I think so. I bought off Lancaster. It was like 35 bucks, but it does really well for what it is. But it's uh, it's meant to be one where you you thread in the the front stabilizer and that's essentially the the pin that's holding it. And then you run it off the uh, that the rear stabilizer off of that. But I I've been hooking up to my uh, bottom bar because it, it gives you a, a, a screw with it as well or a bolt. Sure. And, uh, and I, I really seem to like that. I, I, I think, I feel like I like having that rear stabilizer, like as low as possible. And, and it may, it may be because I'm running like a, a 35 axle to axle bow. I'm not hundred percent sure, but, uh, I, cause I, I messed around with it in both places on that black five. And, and I, I mean, I, I shot both of them pretty well. And, and honestly, the, the difference was probably more in my head than anything else, but I mean, I really, I really feel like I, I liked it there on the bottom. But like you said, I, I can see how in a hunting situation, especially one with uh, uh, with antelope, uh, how I mean, you know, literally dragging, dragging the bow or or, you know, uh, sitting there for uh, having to set it down uh, could could certainly prevent present some uh, some problems there. Um, one thing that I mentioned a little bit earlier was how I never, I never seem to have issues with the length of my quivalizer. Uh, um, do you, uh, do you run, uh, your, your longer stabilizer or, or do you, uh, in the time that you've ran it, have you personally had any issues with running a, a quote unquote longer stabilizer like yours that's at 15 inches? No. And, um, all of last season I ran a 15 front and a 12 back and I did it for, you know, antelope, mule deer and elk. Yeah, I, I never ran into an issue with it at all. Um, there's really not a lot of places that that becomes an issue. Not you know, not even in in a tree stand. Maybe the the biggest problem that I've seen is, is I hunted in a tripod stand once last year in Nebraska, and um, <clears throat> I bonked my stabilizer on the on the metal you know cage part of it, and it, mm. it made a noise. Um, it didn't, there wasn't any deer around, but, uh, I was just, you know, getting in the stand, testing out my, my shooting lanes and, and all that good stuff. And, and I bonked it on there and I said, well, shit, this might not work. Um, so I mean, basically yeah. like ground blind, box blind, or, you know, something where you're, you're physically limited by things in close proximity to you. That's otherwise there's, there's really no problem. Um, I'm running for... a 12, 12, 10 combo this year. And that's just, that's just what seemed to seem to balance the bow well. And, uh, it's still, yeah, I don't feel like it's clunky or too long whatsoever. Yeah. For spot and stock, like I haven't had a problem with my equivalizer and then your stabilizers are what, five inches shorter, I think not including the, like, so the rod on the equivalizer is 20 inches on mine Mm -hmm. and then you've got the head for the quiver or whatever. Right. So that's probably another four. That's another inch or two. Yeah, I think it's another four, like another three or four. 
but Jeez. you know people are yeah. like they'll you know the main thing that they say is like oh you're running a essentially running a target bar and your hunting bow that's stupid how are you going to get around brush i'm like well <laughs> i don't know i seem to figure it out just fine I've, right doesn't I seem mean, to really I, present I any issues carry, i always carry my bow with the stabilizer pointing up and it's it's a simple solution yeah. to the problem you know i do that a lot or i also will just carry it on my shoulders so i'll kind of mm-hmm. like wedge it between my pack frame and my neck or whatever and then i'll hold on to yep. the state the front stabilizer as for i'm walking sure. or you know as long as there's enough weight on the front i can just it can just chill there like i don't even have to right. hang on to it which is super nice Definitely. yeah us guys that run uh uh what's the word i'm looking for sites that have uh bars on them dovetail. what am i thinking dovetail, dovetail. there we go yeah, yeah it's it's a it's been a long day uh <laughs> it's guys that run run dovetails i mean it, it it's almost like it's it's made for uh sitting on your shoulders with dovetail on one side and uh a stabilizer on the other man it it's balances up there about perfectly don't right i've 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 walked with not even holding on to it before mm-hmm. it just just yeah, stays there most of the time i don't hold on to my bow when i'm high if it's on my yep. shoulders i'm not hanging on to it i'm just going yeah especially yeah. if we're just trying to go someplace to get there to you know get to where we need to be yeah i'm just yeah i'm just hiking at that point yeah getting after it and the benefit uh to like you said but i want to kind of circle back around to it just to emphasize it and to uh to create some clarity as well the benefit to running that longer stabilizer is because the lever arm is longer on like the where how it's changing the center of gravity you can run uh, less weight. Uh, now, granted, with your particular setup, it's not like a really, really big deal, but you could run like one, if you're running a 15 ounce or a 15 ounce, my goodness, that'd be a lot. Uh, <laughs> if you're running a, a 15 inch bar, uh, a fifteen twelve setup, as opposed to like a 10, eight, uh, you could run like one or two ounces on the front of, uh, of that 15. And then maybe like, two or four on the back as opposed to a 10 eight, you may have to run four or five ounces on the front to get comfortable and you have to run and then you have to run a lot more on the rear. Is that, is that a fairly accurate description? Yeah, definitely. Unless you're shooting 3d, I had a guy that wanted to run a 15, 12 and he wanted to run 10 ounces on the front and 23 Ooh. ounces on the back. Gee, many Christmas. Crazy. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I, when I ran the 15, I had two ounces on the front and then the 12 had uh, four on the back. So it was just straight up two to one and it, that sucker held really well for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another, another way to think about the, uh, the longer bar is let's say I, one of my buddies, uh, that, uh, did a review video on, on YouTube explained it really well. He had a broom that uh you know he held on to the handle like two-thirds of the way down the broom with the the brush part in front and Mm -hmm. he waved it around you know pretty easily and as he moved his hand back down the handle of the broom it became harder to move it fast Mm. that makes sense yeah yeah actually what's really funny i mean it same application just a different uh uh well a different application same uh description is uh, our buddy Isaac has a video out there uh, uh, talking about the uh, use of uh, or how how fletching and a change of 
uh, uh, center of gravity changes the uh, how much fletching you need and and use that the same uh, uh, a broom as as the uh, analogy for showing how how it's different based on that balance point. Uh, so for that's sure. uh, that's really interesting. That's yeah. it's, it's yep. essentially the same thing. Hmm. Um, so do you? Uh, I, I know you. Uh, you've you. Oh, let's let's talk about these uh, wraps for a minute. Because you, uh, uh, you could, now you you paired up with somebody. This isn't. Uh, I don't think you make them. They're made by State Wraps. Is that State right? State Wraps. Yep, they're down in yeah. Southern Colorado. Yep. Yeah, and and man, they are like uh, at least in my experience. If you want to add a wrap, it's uh, damn near ten grains. Yeah, but 10 these to are 12. like yeah, these are super super light. They're only a couple grains of pop, right? Yeah. So they. I weighed. I think I weighed one of each color and they were like between two and a half and four grains and it's it's a four inch wrap so they're, they're not a, a long wrap it's, if you're running it's a normal size yeah um but yeah they're just they're super cool and that's that's kind of one of those you know specialty products like i i feel like i'm a huge archery nerd and that's one of the things that like really helps you get deeper down that rabbit hole is this little stuff like that. That's got features built in that are really simple, but they, they help you out a lot like that. The band with the, the text of cutter stabilizers in there as a reference mm-hmm. to start your veins. Like I took, um, you know, based off of my anchor point, whatever, shooting a handheld release and you know, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty general string angle and measured out, you know, the best possible facial clearance for, for veins. And that's where that, that mark is. So it's pretty, pretty easy to get, you know, perfect facial clearance with almost any vein. You you know, I, I tried it with, with high profile and, and lower profile and it was still, you know, you're, you're right at the very, very front edge of, of your mouth where, you know, that's a huge problem for people, especially if you get into to longer shots or high stress shots is you're burying that sucker into the side of your face. And that's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a recipe for disaster, um, yep. especially if you're contacting your fletching. So keeping those out in a, in a good place to allow plenty of clearance is a big deal. And then if you want to go down the rabbit hole of, uh, spine indexing you know you just put the wrap on in the the position to have the logo on the top and Mm. now you have your spine mark with if even if you're shooting four of the same color fletchings or three of the same color fletchings yeah that'd be that'd be helpful a really interesting video for those who may not have seen it is um josh bomar did a video uh where he showed i forgot how many pounds of pressure he put on it but he well, okay. Okay. So, you know, the video I'm talking about, I do. I uh, watched it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, he takes a, a bow. It must've been his RX three or RX four or something like that. And he put, uh, seven pounds apparently of pressure on the string while, uh, while it was at rest and versus when it was drawn and at rest, it, it moves the string a little bit, not a ton, but a little bit. But when that thing is drawn back, that string has so much slack in it. It was crazy. And, yeah, and I think oh, if people, yeah. there's no I think if people watch that. They'd understand how much like 
why you don't want to make a ton of of contact either with your arrow with your veins like like you know the uh, uh what your wrap essentially solves by getting the vein in a spot where it won't do that or you know pressing hard against it with your nose or or with a kisser button i've i've uh, my wife used to run a kisser button religiously and when we switched to a new bow i was like you're not going to run a kisser button anymore because because she's burying her face in it and i was just like no nah, we're we're, we're going to we're going to do something different and, yeah. uh, and it's worked out better for, for sure. Yeah. The guys I'll, that, the guys that have uh shot elites and forgot to put the limb stops back in and drawn them, you know how little pressure there is on a string when you draw it back. Yep. Just, just comes <laughs> right off. Turns out. Yep. yep. Yeah. It comes off a... the bow. Yeah. You just draw through, like if you over, if you over rotate the cams, the string just right goes slack, and you're up. like, "Oh Ooh. shit!" <laughs> like I didn't put draw stops back in. Son of Ugh. a bitch. <laughs> oh, that sounds so scary. Yeah, uh, I have a confession. I don't want us to turn into a tangent, but I put one of those stupid nose buttons on my bow. Mm-hmm. How'd that go? Super helpful. Like I, I'm good. gonna leave it on for a long time. Yeah. I've been thinking I've, I've, of either. I've heard they're they're pretty slick. I, I've I've never messed with one, but I've heard they give you more negative feedback when you don't do it right, which is exactly. equally as important. And I yeah. thought it was super gimmicky until I put one on there, and I was like, "Yeah, this really hurts if you aim too hard." So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was, was pretty, first I was shot thinking I put of it on my putting... bow, I sneezed, and I was like, "That was oh really no." Weird. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking of putting one on mine, but uh, I might just tie some serving on my string instead. But. Yeah, I mean it's it's probably the same, but I don't know. It's yeah, not less was... feedback, but I just need a reference point. I've been falling out of my peep a lot, so I need yeah. something to remind me. Yep, but yep, that was that was a good little tangent there. Cool. <laughs> uh, so, do you um? Do you plan on making any other stabilizer accessories? And 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 if not, do you have a particular, uh, uh like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like the hardware to connect it to your bow. Is there is there a certain one that you you recommend to people or the people uh that run your stuff uh, uh seem to have good luck with? Because that's that's one thing I haven't really made a splurge on. Like I said, I I literally just ordered the cheapest one that they had on Lancaster, but uh, I, I feel like there's definitely something to be to be gained there for sure. Yeah, that's good. I would say wait until this spring when we release ours. Hey, okay. Well, there there we go. <laughs> uh, is, are you going to, is that going to be, uh, uh, well, if if you can talk about it, uh, is that going to be like a dual uh, dual setup off of the, off the front? Um, I can give away a little bit and it's going to be, optional to the shooter it's going to be an either or type of system off the same interesting yep. i like the sound of that okay yep i haven't Man, seen I... it done yet and it's it's i'm basically trying to solve all the problems that i have with offset brackets right now which is clunky um heavy not as micro adjustable as possible and mm-hmm. not, as, not as versatile as possible you either have to buy a one piece bracket or a quick disconnect and a lower bracket in order yeah. to be able to experiment which is you know bow hunting stuff can get pretty expensive so if you have it, the option it's not to do cheap both, <laughs> it's yeah 
Target so stuff especially is not cheap, and oh that's essentially God. what you're doing is bringing that's a, the, you're bringing the target side to hunting. So yep. yeah, so that's coming. That's that's about all I can say for right now. And okay, uh, we're still in in the in the development process as far as design goes. So I I don't have one of these to test. I really wanted to get one built for this hunting season, but to just this whole stupid massive crap going on really yeah oh man it it makes it it makes everything so tough well as soon as we're done recording fully expect a grilling session from gary (laughs) and i because i want to know everything about it uh um but no man i run the uh i currently run like the matthews just static mount or whatever just the lower mount i just run it on the low mount for my on my botex or whatever and they're okay but you know like everything so everybody that we talk to on the podcast like that has good stuff it always seems to stem from a lack of them having access to what they actually want yep which is what you know that i like that it's like oh good that's where innovation comes from it's because there's a whole like it's not even like that you want to make money off of it it's that you want it for yourself but you know, other people can use exactly. it. Exactly. So. That's how this whole company started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. The, like the, the weights that we make too. Like that was, that was another thing I threw some. Dude, some your weights are so away. pretty. They're so cool. They are very I, pretty. I, 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 love, I love the look of yours. They're so cool looking. Yeah. I saw, the, saw new the new ones one? after I yeah. got mine two weeks before. Know, I'm like, I'm you son of a bitch. <laughs> I haven't That's... seen the new ones. <laughs> yeah well oh with the, with the with the goat on the, front? on the front yeah, yeah. nice yep. that man that's good looking yeah that that kind of came together really really fast and um, that's how it happens yeah it was just like i went from having having the ones that you guys have to having this idea to giving them to my buddy um and he's like hey what if we put the sticker on there and I'm like, oh, like, okay. oh yeah, huh, let's try it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I figured out that each of those stickers cost me 72 cents just to peel oh. off and throw away. And I was like, man, Christ. these stupid weights look good, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, man, I'm, I'm well, luckily for me, I still need to buy a, a 15. So I'll yep. order some more more weights when uh, when we when we do that. Man, for sure, man. man. Those, do, those do look good. I love right. your logo, by the way. I think it's I awesome. Do. Thanks. It took me probably. I don't. I don't even want to think about how long it took me to design that logo. <laughs> but I, I made. I literally started with a piece of paper, like a, a pad of tracing paper. Mm-hmm. And this is like one of my buddies that does design stuff. He told me to do it this way: is you start with a, a pad of tracing paper, and you do it on the last page. You draw what you want, and then you flip it over and add or subtract whatever you need as you go through and you come up to this you know your finished logo and i got to the point where i thought i was done and then i talked to him again he's like well what did you think about this and this and you think about this rule of blah 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 and i'm like no i didn't think about any of that shit. <laughs> like i'm not over. like i'm not an educated artist dude right. of course i, I didn't like, think of that i like this antelope <laughs> and so i tried to draw it cool <laughs> yeah and yeah, I, I, I dig your logo. I, I love it's it too. Cool. Yep, it's makes really me happy. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I, before I've, I have a couple more questions for you, but before, but they're not technical, uh, but you, you had mentioned, you had mentioned something earlier that you, it, it sounded like you may want to dive into another a part of a technical discussion, but I can't remember for the life of me what it was. That was the offset bracket. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, 
there there we go yeah, sweet I was just thinking thinking back to the the points that we wanted to cover and yeah the yeah products no that i mean offer I'm, and will I'm be offering so damn pumped for that thing dude. I've, <laughs> I've been i've been waiting i don't i don't think that this is this is when you know like you've tapped into something that like that the archery industry wants because i've i've looked and i've looked and i've looked and i've been like, like nah, man there's just like that. there's so, there's something yeah and i'm like and i'm looking at like like the ones where it's like oh it's a you know a, a dual setup quick disconnect and it's like oh the the connector is is two hundred dollars and i'm like yeah man like even like and if it was the right thing like i would like i wouldn't care but, right. but i'm yeah. like man it's just You're like that's like, not exactly what i want though yeah, it's yeah. not. And, and well, like, and I've, I found one that's like really close. I won't say who it is, but like there, I found one that's really close to, to what I want, but it's just so big. It's <laughs> like, it'd be a freaking dinosaur sitting on the front mm-hmm. of my bow. And I'm, and I'm just like, oh, this is, it's not like, it's so close to what I want, but if they could just like, like make it, make it a little more smooth around the edges. Like it just, I'm just right. like, oh no. And it's, and it's hideous. It's, yeah. it's so bad looking, uh, but functionally it has what I want, but it's just so, so gross. Um, well, so it's, it's hard. It's, there's only so many ways to build those things. And it's, it's, I've been beating my head against the wall in this design process and it's, it's not easy. There's, you know, there's not a lot of material to play with there without making a giant dinosaur of a thing, and it's it's tough to figure out. Right, but, right. I, I think I'm I'm on the right track, and it's going to be pretty badass. Yeah, man, I'm 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 oh, I'm so I'm so pumped. Uh, so what what has life been like? So so I'm going to play six degrees of separation here. <laughs> uh, um, uh, so a guy that you're doing a giveaway with is it done? Is is the giveaway with Brandon done now? Or is yeah, it still it a thing? Yep. No, okay. All right. Yep. So when I would, I would guess, uh, I, I originally started this as, uh, as the Joe Rogan effect, because when, when, uh, Aaron Snyder went on the Jerry podcast, uh, I would assume that their sales just absolutely like exploded overnight. I don't know if their lead times have, have gone up a little bit. It's not like an insane amount. Uh, uh, but they've, they've gone up a little bit. So I would expect that, uh, 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 they they have increased in sales, but uh, when Brandon their, their production increased so, so fast and so bad that they stopped making certain packs. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It's like that then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Got it's it. It's like that then. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, Aaron has has a pretty uh significant platform. Uh, and when he had Brandon on. Uh, Brandon dropped your name and I was like, oh shit, that's Earl's company. Uh, yep. so what have, have you seen, uh, a, a tick in, uh, either sales or just exposure since, since that ha- has happened? And if so, what's that, what's that been like since that happened? So I did see, see a slight spike in that, um, pretty much like anytime somebody mentions me on a podcast then then we see a small, a small jump, like, um, one of the guys that uh, that helped me prototype and develop the original design is uh, Brian Barney from Eastman's. And he shoots oh. them. Mm, okay. um, and he he mentioned us once on the podcast, and I, I think I had five or six orders. Um, same about the same from Kafarocast, maybe maybe ten to fifteen orders. But when Brandon released that review video, it shit went crazy, man. Like, no, I bet. <laughs> At, at one point, I had to build 
70 stabilizers in three days. Oh, God. Gracious me. Yep. I so feel I mean, like you did not sleep for a bit there. Um, and I only have so many clamps. Like there's because <laughs> <laughs> the, I the I don't know the clamping process takes a while, so I can only build. Do you so use like those time. like quick like quick clamps? You know, like they like you. There's like a I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a quick quick uh freaking carpentry clamp or whatever you know what i'm talking about uh, sort of they're they're like a um it's sort of an engineering clamp it's it's a linear um they're made for doing what i'm doing basically mm-hmm. um but uh yeah they're not cheap either <laughs> um yeah but it's it's important to maintain concentricity with these things as well. I, I know it's not yeah. the end mm-hmm. of the world, but I like to keep a straightness tolerance just like I do on, on my arrows and stuff too. Right. Um, yeah. So I got these things to have a two and a half thousand straightness tolerance. Oh, geez. <laughs> on, a, on a tube that big, that's, that's freaking that's incredible. Pretty, pretty stupid. I, I know there's <laughs> nobody's going to give a shit about that, but I think it's can you, funny. Can you make some that. arrows while you're at it? That'd yeah, be, right. That'd be neat. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to the carbon people, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's been crazy. Um, the biggest challenge is, is the, the manufacturing process and it's kind of, unfortunate the the point that i'm at is if i want to streamline and any streamline it anymore i need to bring these processes in house and and that means buying a $25,000 cnc lathe and a shop oh. to fit that 15 by 10 machine in yeah um so it's it's a, it's an interesting time um and the the manufacturing it takes a while you know the the anodizing process in order to get a get a good durable finish that looks clean and nice um there's there's not a lot of of companies that i found that can do that for a reasonable price and a reasonable turnaround time and you know what that equates to is you know five to ten business days which kind of sucks right so i mean there's i can increase the quantity and that's kind of where we're at right now is i'm is i'm manufacturing a ton of these parts at one time right now um but it's it's still it's still a slow process and i i just hope people understand that i'm me and you know like one or two other people are building these things one at a time by hand yeah and the quality that comes out of that is is 100 worth it but it's it's not something that that happens overnight i'm i don't have a a sweat shop or you know a machine that does these yeah. things they're they're meeting my standards before they go in the mail and that's right that's what you're paying for and that's what you're waiting for and that's something that i don't think many companies offer oh well, I mean, definitely especially not. i mean especially not with stabilizers at least but like i mean no. you know like the made to order packs and whatnot like kafaru and stone glacier and all that like you know it's like they have a wait time for a reason and yeah i I, it's hard some like a lot of the time especially for something that you can like you can't go buy your stabilizers in a store or whatever but yet like right yet but like people are so used to that that it like there's a little bit of an adjustment period but i think the more that people start to realize that you know 
you can spend the same money, but you're getting a better product in the end. Like, yeah, like you're yeah. Pay, you're you're waiting for quality. Like that's really what it comes down to. But it's hard to get people to grasp that a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. and let's 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 not kid ourselves either. Like the majority of products that are made by anybody in the archery industry are made by tiny Chinese fingers. Like okay. let's let let let's not let's not uh, pull punches there. Like there's the, becomes the pretty amount apparent when I have to actually work on shit sometimes. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the amount the amount of like people in the archery industry that actually source material and make stuff in the U.S. is, I would guess, less than five percent of the market because it like, is it's, really hard. Yeah, and it's expensive. It's expensive. Like it I mean, took me and then, like three weeks to find a stainless steel set screw that was from the u.s like there's not a lot of them <laughs> yeah not yeah. surprised yeah well and that's uh, I, I think what a lot of people don't realize and i learned this when i started talking to guys in the in the broadhead industry uh is there are certain steels that are and and grades of steels that are only made in certain countries and then like and then they they're only they're made in one factory that's it right. it's like if you want if you want this kind of steel with this like this rating of whatever yeah like you have you have one option and and when when you're looking at us based stuff it's like yeah you want you want a stainless steel uh uh you know uh, set screw that's uh uh that's made in the us okay it's going to cost you 12 times more than buying it from china so uh it's uh it's it's goofy uh sometimes on on how people get all been out of shape for for cost on on some products when when they don't they don't realize what they're uh really what they're getting but but i mean i, I think you're i mean and it's just a i guess a, a personal take i think your stuff is pretty like pretty damn affordable when you start looking at the the stabilizer market and god you can i, I once again you want to talk about like the the realization of of target stuff because I, I traded oh, yeah. one of these i traded my uh uh realm x for uh ct9 and i was like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna set this up as a as a true like target rig and then like have a couple of things that are like crossover and i i posted in a group i was like hey i'm looking for a site that could do both uh uh, target and uh and hunting and and these guys were recommending scopes that were like four hundred dollars and i was like what are you what what are you talking about i can buy the the freaking site with no scope for four hundred dollars yeah yeah that's just the bracket you're like wait yeah yeah and uh, i was just like this is insane and then i started looking at like uh, you know, quote unquote, custom uh, uh, stabilizer costs where I know most of these are not handmade and it's just asinine how expensive some of them. Can yep. get. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, I really think that your stuff is priced very competitively. I mean, you can get into a, a whole setup for, I mean, less than 200 bucks, which is I mean, yep. and, and I mean, you want to talk about like an, an immediate, especially if you're a guy that that hasn't run like a full, like a full blown quote unquote stabilizer setup before an immediate, uh, turnaround on and, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, gain on your investment. Like, I mean, literally the second you put the damn thing on, it's, I mean, you're like, like you said, your, your pin float is, uh, minimized and the speed, uh, goes way down. So it's just, I mean, groups, you know, like with Garrett's story groups just get tighter the first time you shoot it, it's, it's For crazy. Sure. And it's one of the uh, very few things that you can add to your bow. That's not going to totally change your tune. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a uh, perfect hunting, procrastinating purchase. 
<laughs> uh, there's, there's my one one plug. Shameless. There plug. you go. Well, no, man. I I'm uh I, I I want people to buy your stuff. I know I've I I ran it uh um uh, for for this spring uh or well I guess it was towards the end of spring and and into summer. Uh, Garrett's been running it for a, a hot minute now, and actually, I'm pretty sure Rob. I don't know if you listened to the last episode or not, but our last two episodes. But uh, Rob's Hoyt broke, uh, and so I I shipped him uh, my Black Five because he's going to Alaska in like two weeks from tomorrow, maybe like a week and like a half that. or something. Yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah going something like that. Doing POW uh, for black bears, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I did. I did mention that, but uh, but I sent I sent my stabs with it because I can't with my surgery. I can't shoot a bow right now, and right. and. Uh, 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 he, he opened up the box. He was like, dude, these stabs are sick. I'm like, uh, yeah, I know. So <laughs> Rob's going to be running them too. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I knew after, after I shot him, especially after I shot the R100, I was like, yeah, these are, these are it. Cause that was easily the best I've ever shot. And, and it's because I actually took the time to set it up. And the scary thing, the scary thing is I didn't like really fine tune it. And I did that with a 10, eight. And yep, now I'm yep. like, I'm like, what can I do with a 1512 setup? Because that's right. what I'm going to hunt with. I just, uh-huh. I did 10, eight, so I compete in bow hunter. Now I'm going to do a 1512 and, and, and see, see what we can really make happen. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be scary. So yep. I'm bumming. You know, that's another thing that we've been asked about so many times is when are you going to make target bars? And you like, try I, the ones we already have, uh, you know, it's, Target archery is just not my thing, and I've tried yeah. really hard to to get into it and and try it and and learn it, but I just it's the passion isn't there for me. It's it's for hunting, and there's not a lot of of companies as far as stabilizers go that are 100% built for the bow hunter, and that's that's yeah. kind of what I want to offer. Is we don't make this for target and then we have this small side division for bow hunters like yeah yeah we are the bow hunting stabilizer company yeah Yeah, a lot of a lot of the stabilizer companies they start in the target realm and then they just kind of half-ass it it seems for right yep the rest of it you know for hunting and yeah i mean that's where i mean you know they're gonna make their money i guess i don't even know that like i feel like they think they make their money in the target place but there's so few super high level target archers that i feel like the money isn't really there compared to if you can get it is but like if you can get you know every bow hunter to use a stabilizer setup like yours like just the sheer volume of that money coming in is well gonna be man, like the, it's not it's gonna pale in comparison but you want to talk about a, a a number that'd probably knock you on your feet i'd encourage anyone to go go to their local range uh, uh well i mean this won't be dropping tonight but go to your local range on a saturday morning and like hang out from uh, from there until noon count how many guys show up without stabilizers oh, it's yeah. a lot it's <laughs> or a lot. at least spoiler or with or with yep. just like the little limb saver rubber thing, yeah, the little rubber, yeah, like, like four, yeah, the little four, four and a half inch yeah. tiny little thing, yeah, uh, and yeah, because that's not doing anything, and and no. yeah, and like I said, like it's this is this is an immediate, uh, uh, I keep I keep losing the word that I want to use, but uh, um, uh, 
improvement. Yeah, immediate improvement. Uh, uh, some something on your investment. Uh, oh, return on investment. Return. There we go. ROI. That's what I'm yeah. looking for. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> nice immediate return on your investment. <laughs> you got excited. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've, I found it. I've been sitting here thinking about it for like ten minutes now. Uh, yeah, it's an immediate return on your investment. I mean, it, you know, it's your accuracy just goes through through the roof. I mean, it's gonna going to make you as accurate as you can be if you suck you suck like there's there's nothing that can you know, help you with that but uh but this is uh, certainly something uh it's a it's a way bigger tool than i think people people realize it's a bigger tool than i realized until until i've and and really the equivalizer is really just what opened my eyes to it and then running a full-blown setup with a with a sidebar back bar is real when i was like oh my god this is this is a completely different world than what i was shooting before and i think that's a testament to uh, and, and we kind of, after, uh, ATA, I kind of made, I made a comment, like an offhand comment that ended up being almost my, my mantra with, with my current setup is, uh, I said, I think if people, and it was because a lot of these bows came out, they were longer axle to axle. It just seemed like, man, there's, they're making more like crossover bows. And I, I think, I, I think my quote was something along the lines of if people set up their hunting bows more like target bows, I think we'd have better success. And, yeah. and I think that, I think that definitely holds true, especially in the stabilizer game in, in two ways. One, not like just not being a wuss and just running a little bit of a longer stabilizer than you think you can. Like, I promise you, I promise you, if you put on a 15 inch stabilizer on the front of your bow, it's not going to be too long. Like right, it's, right. it's not, it's not a big deal. It really I'm, is. And, and extra, I mean, like even growing up hunting in tree stands, I'm more likely to, you know, I'm more worried that I'm going to hit my cam or limb on something than I am that I'm not going to be able to draw where I want to draw and point where I want to point because of my stabilizer. hundred percent. hundred percent. In a tree stand, especially like you're more limited by how long your bow is, I guess. But even then I've shot 35 inch bows multiple times in climbers and I'm fine. Yeah. 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 Think about like, when they say set up your hunting bow like a target bow, you're you're kind of limited as to what you can really take from that. You're not going to hunt with a blade rest. Yeah, you're not right. going to hunt with a scope. You know, there's stabilizers and maybe a you know a smaller peep, and that's really what you're going to get as far as that crossover. Those are going to be the two biggest things that that I I see at least a lot of the time with with people bringing their bows into the shop is. They're shooting, you know, quarter inch or what seems like bigger peeps with. Yeah, I don't know. You know how, I don't know how or why people shoot a quarter inch peep. That is so freaking oh, big. Like, what are you lining know. the? What are you lining that peep up with? They're like, what do you mean? I, with the like, feet round bale out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah. I'm like, what? What? What are you actually using as a reference point? They're like, I don't. What are you talking about? I'm just looking at the pins through the peep. I'm yeah, like, yeah. yeah, but you need a you need a reference point between <laughs> front and rear sight. Like this is like a rifle, man. You got to line the yep. two up. What are you doing? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but yeah, longer stabilizer, uh, being one of the, one of the big perks and then running a back bar, I, I think yep. is, is just, uh, if, if people would, would take a minute to, to do that. And the cool thing is if they already have a stabilizer, like, like me, like I, I had a 10 inch B stinger, if you just want to start, like if you want to order like a quality stabilizer and then start with like, a, you know, a 12 or a 15 or something on the front and then run what you already have as a rear or a sidebar, 
then you then then it starts to click and you're like okay i get it now and then and then you'll go ahead and, and make the uh make the investment for the more quality sidebar but yeah yep. it's uh it's it's something i wish more people would get into but for sure and it's you know it's it's kind of one of those things that you don't really know what you're missing and until you have it yeah you know, one of the one of the common comparisons that i make is uh is hunting with gators on i just <laughs> you don't know how awesome they are until you have a good pair of gators. And That's true. I've never hunted with gators. I've never done it. You don't know what you're missing. Say in the in the West, <laughs> you definitely don't know what it's like until you have some. And then you're like, wait, there's not rocks and sand and shit in my shoes. This is fantastic. Right. <laughs> yep. Or um, like you know, another good example is is good arrows. You know, if if you yeah. just take them out of the box and cut them, you know, I I of course obsess a little bit more than most people probably not more than you guys but that's okay. well, <laughs> you're you're in good along. company <laughs> yep, what, what's yep. your what, what's your arrow setup what do you run uh, we uh, won't demean you too much i promise uh let's see i've got a an eastern axis uh, match grade 300 spine uh, i run a four fletch with uh, the 2.3 vein tech super spines um, okay. up front i've got a 25 grain iron wheel impact collar and the standard Easton deep sick or the hit insert, and then a one twenty five mm-hmm. grain iron wheel solid. And there nice. are four eighty two. That's solid, solid setup. setup. Yeah, yep. take that every every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yep. So that. I got them. Yep, four eighty two. They're going at two eighty one feet per second out of my twenty seven and a half inch draw. So oh, yeah, there you, you go. Yeah, you're like me. Short, Hell yeah. yeah. So you've got a short draw. So like, yeah, you. I mean, you become limited on you know you have to pay more attention to your trajectory yeah leave us alone garrett (laughs) (laughs) i mean to be fair i shoot at least a half inch longer than i measure but that's i like i've just grown comfortable with it so yeah yeah any if i shoot anything at like i shoot 29 and a half but if i shoot anything like 29 or if i try to shoot 28 and a half i feel so short i'm like i can't yeah. this doesn't this isn't good this isn't right i'm i can't well, if hit i shoot anything. 28 and a half i feel short i'm scared <laughs> <laughs> i've just grown it must be to nice. shooting too long it's fine yeah. i get yeah. i screw myself over when i shoot 3d so it's fine yeah i don't know i will say like from shooting all of these customer bows that are set like super duper long for me i, I think i could probably shoot a little bit longer draw length but i don't know just yeah I, i'm, I'm probably those uphill downhills it's nice to just have what you what fits yeah you. yeah oh for sure for sure especially if you're shoot, like i shoot a i shoot my silverback a lot of the times for 3d and my long draw definitely screws me over sometimes yeah, like man, I crazy. can't get this thing to go off. Yeah, how do you yeah. how do you pull back on that? Yeah, uh, be... you just kind of squeeze harder, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you figure Pinch it out. The shoulder blade. I'm like, yeah, I'm like uh, cramp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Well, uh, uh, Earl, where can where can people find your products? And and you do okay. I, 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 first off, well, they can find the products at the, at the place that you do this, but you, you run a really good blog, uh, for, for people that don't, uh, that don't look at it or I don't know, is it considered a blog? Cause you're, you're putting out more of like informative articles. It's not really like a, here's yeah, how my day went and people were being to be at target kind of thing. Yeah. It's uh, definitely um, articles for sure. 
yeah, but yeah, you you have some some really really good articles on, on your website. So where can people find your product and find these articles uh, that they should a hundred percent read read uh, when they get the chance? So the website is cutterstabilizers.com. It's pretty standard, just how how it sounds. Um, the blog or article section, if you go to the little tab up there, um, newest article is is one of them, and then article library. They're all sorted by topic. Um, they're both over there in the in the sidebar, and and I I try to write one every week, um, which gets pretty tough. But they're um, I put a lot of time and, and thought into them, and you know I try to try to put it into into a way that is is useful rather than you know all super high level stuff. I try to throw as as much you know a balance of education and you know, fun things into these, these articles. And I, I, I feel like I do a pretty dang good job. Like I, I find myself rereading them pretty often just to, just to read them, you know, they're, they're good. I, I like writing those things. Yeah, no, man, you, you do a, you do a really, a really good job with these articles. Like for real, it's uh do you have a newsletter that people can sign up for? So they, they can see when you post a new one. Yeah, we're working on getting that set up. We're, we're, kind of going back and forth yeah Yeah. um we're debating on on rebuilding the website or not and i i personally don't really want to like (laughs) it's it's a it's a lot of work but yeah uh, yeah. so i i have found out (laughs) yeah um the probably the the best way right now to find out about new articles is to to follow us on instagram or facebook and that's Hmm. instagram is cutter stabilizers official and um I'll put a post up whenever we put a new article up and then it's did somebody cutter. already have the handle cutter stabilizers? No, I just, I just oh, okay. to put it like that. It just oh, okay. sounded cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we had, we had, we had to be the lethal podcast because some asshole already had lethal podcasts and they don't and they even don't have even, any episodes. Yeah, they don't even freaking use it. They have really? one episode. They have one damn episode and it, and it was not good. And it, it was, hmm. it's like a, like a true crime, true crime podcast. So weird. Yeah. Um, Jerks. Yeah, then we got the YouTube channel, which is just cutter stabilizers. I'm gonna probably try to put up most of my hunts from this year on there. Um, and it's just it's tough to get you know a good video filmed yeah. and, and edited. Um, just just takes a lot of time and it does it does. And, uh, but your uh, um your stabilizers were uh, side note just just where people can go. Uh, check it out and and see see some more video of it. They're featured on uh, Brandon McDonald's channel, right? Yep, yep. Okay. Um, and it's it's on there. I don't remember what it's called. I'll find I'll I'll find I'll find the link. Uh, uh, and and I'll I'll post it in the show notes for those that are still sticking around. And and if if you if you're listening and you haven't checked out, but side side note, if you haven't checked out Brandon McDonald. His channel is really good, and his production value is just like through the roof. It's incredible. Yeah, he's he's what us baby YouTubers strive to be. He's, he's <laughs> yeah. got a, a really good channel. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, this dude. It, it's yeah. It, I, mean, I I I tried I tried video editing one time, and after like an hour, I was like, nope, nope, not doing this <laughs> yeah. anymore. And I've I've got a personal youtube that i have all of my my past hunts on and and i just you know i filmed it all with my my iphone and did the iMovie editing thing and they're not bad like i can watch them and and be happy and like remember the hunts and stuff like that but it's right 
it's not an expensive camera and it's you know there's there's no fancy editing but uh i've got uh, yeah. i mean if it makes you guys feel better i have two years of unused elk season footage so there's that nice yep <laughs> that is, that's I'm, good. I'm like i should edit this and then i open it up and i'm like i don't really feel like it anymore Man, yeah you gotta dive into that stuff pretty deep <laughs> yeah you I mean, really do i have super nice camera I had for like the two years that I recorded with 4K camera, and then I just bought a nicer camera. So I'll do it eventually. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Earl, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I, I I think your products are are second to none, and and we wouldn't have wouldn't have had you on if we if Garrett and I weren't already in agreement with that. And I think Rob is going to be uh, in agreement with that after he plugs this uh, monstrous bear that his buddy has on camera. Hopefully, it's a freaking. Cool. Hopefully you get Tank. some pictures with that with your bow and uh, be pretty funny if Rob actually yeah first thing with your bow though <laughs> he will I'm I'm sure he will he's he's going to I I know That'd he will be super cool yeah uh, but uh, uh, yeah man I, I I really appreciate you coming on uh, like I said I think I think you have an incredible product and uh, for those listening you should a hundred percent check it out so it's cutterstabilizers.com, right yep that's it yep. cool cool well thanks yep. thanks again man I appreciate hey, thank you. you guys it's I appreciate a, it. Late, late night recording, but uh, but we're we're getting it done. We 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 penciled it in, and I'm I'm glad glad we uh, glad we did it. Man, I was the beginning of this podcast. I was tired. I I woke <laughs> up like ten minutes before we before we started recording, and I was uh, yeah, I was a little uh, worried. I was, worried. A little, I was little, like I was like Matt, yeah. are you dead? <laughs> I was texting <laughs> nope, Earl just... too. I was like, have, I was like, have you heard from Matt in the last hour? <laughs> he told me he might have been drinking earlier, and that's the first oh, time no. in a while. So uh, uh, this no, might was, not work. Uh, <laughs> I was drinking earlier and I uh, got home and passed out on my couch for like two hours. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was super fun, but, uh, <laughs> but cool. Uh, uh, third time, I guess. Uh, thanks again, man. Really yeah. appreciate you coming thanks, on. Dude. And, uh, uh, I, I hope more people, uh, will, will embrace, uh, em- embrace a quality product and embrace something that's going to make them a better bow hunter. So, for sure. Uh, uh, yeah, man, of course, uh, for everyone still listening, thanks for hanging out and until next time, disrupt the status quo. Oh my God, where's the button?